0: Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. Hi, this is Hal Blaine, and you're listening to the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project.
1: Is there a library or bookstore around here where I get books on Rock and Roll? Rock and roll.
2: Story's true.
1: Well, have you read this one? This share, oh, madam, you read my book. This is a story that needs to be told. These rock and rollers walk something to be.
0: Welcome to another edition of the rock and roll librarian with us today special guest <laughs> the soon to be retiring official librarian Shelly sorensen
3: but I, i'm I'm not retiring from the rock and roll librarian no you're no.
0: becoming the official full-time rock and roll librarian you're <laughs> you're retiring from the official San Francisco Public Library for
3: my Library. paid gig. Yes. Yeah, yeah. My civil service job. The
0: yeah. civil service job. Yes, well, I put back back in my time. Back when those things were thought of as like you know, uh, a, a, a you know a qualified profession, a uh, uh, you know a, a, something to be proud of. Yeah, it's done. Uh, now you're just sucking off the government teat.
3: Hey, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a it's a fine pursuit. It's a I have a calling. Everybody who works in libraries, public libraries, has a calling. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, there public
0: service. I think is what that's they used right. to call it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Come Actually, I over. saw that movie,
3: "The Public," that um, Emilio Estevez wrote and produced. It's quite good. It's about a public library, I think, in Cincinnati and uh, the homeless situation that you know really impacts public libraries. So I, I recommend it. I'd say thumbs up, everybody.
0: Hey! Uh, wow, you, we're going to get a couple recommendations today. So. Yeah. Well, so what's been going on? What's uh, what's life like these days?
3: Oh, it's pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. I'm yeah. um, a still um, singing in my band. And yeah. um, what's the name of the band again? It's uh, called Pacific Fault Line. That's right. We, we play mostly in Pacifica, California, where we're sitting right now. Yeah,
0: you guys don't venture out of Pacifica too much no, at no. present.
3: Very, very local. At present. Yes, we have oh. a, a niche. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, You're ruling Pacifica.
3: Yeah, and yeah. the rain finally stopped for a little while anyway. And yeah, we've
0: been talking about that yeah. for a while, especially on Deeper Digs and Rock. You know, we, we had a very wet winter uh, here in Northern California.
3: We did, but it's good. It's a good thing. It was neat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last thing we need is drought. So, no,
0: yeah. no, no. I think we're officially done with the drought. Well, for now. Yeah. It'll go in cycles. It comes yeah. And
3: goes. Right. <laughs> all right.
0: All right. So what do you got teed up for us today? Uh, what is the what are we talking about? Who is it we're talking about?
3: we're talking about Aretha she uh, is
0: Aretha um, Franklin yeah yes the
3: only the one the queen and only of soul. The, yes
0: the, yes, one and the queen only. of soul the recently um dearly departed Aretha Franklin yes yes so uh you know we we decided that we needed to do something to honor uh, her and who best than Shelley Sorensen our very own rock and roll librarian our very own queen of soul Ah, uh, uh, thank so you so we came up with a book actually uh this is a second book for us here at uh, Pantheon podcasts for our friend Meredith
3: Oakes. That's right. Two books, one author.
0: Yeah, yeah. I interviewed uh, Meredith uh, a couple months ago, uh, specifically about her book, Rock and Roll Woman, The 50 Fiercest Female Rockers. And uh, I think she mentioned that she was uh, finishing up this book uh, at the time. Well, and, that's right. And, and that's how, how and that's how you got it, right? Yeah, I
3: know. I, w- <laughs> I was listening to the podcast of your interview with her, and then you said, what are you working on next? And she said, this book about Aretha Franklin is coming out. And you said, when? And she said, well, actually, it's already out. And I went, whoa, my head exploded. Like yeah. a book, a new book about Aretha Franklin? Yeah, who,
0: who had just passed away at yeah. that point. I mean, literally. Yeah. It was,
3: and and it, um, was, uh,
0: it was within weeks. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sad to see uh, her go, but boy, did she leave a legacy, huh?
3: Definitely, yeah. And I always, always, from the time I was a teenager, been totally a big fan of Aretha. And um, there's a a quote in the book that um, she's the reason why women wanted to sing. Mm -hmm. And it's for me, that was true. You know, of course, nobody can sing like her. And sometimes it's daunting to have her be some, you know, kind of a light to go toward, but just picking up even a tiny bit of what she does is, you know, I think enhances anybody's vocal stylings and uh, work ethic and all that stuff. I just always wanted to sing like aretha and of course i can't (laughs) but you know i do try to bring as much soul into my singing as possible and um i think that's been you know that's good for me it's fun to try anyway
0: well well, you you can't uh, find a finer voice to aspire to be so uh, and just in case there is anybody listening uh who does not know what we're talking about let's uh, give them a, a little bit of a sample here to start the show Uh, Let's play Chain of Fools.
1: Chain, chain, chain!
0: Aretha in her full glory, uh, there. Uh, the, uh, the first uh album produced uh, by Atlantic and uh, Jerry Wexler, uh, has the Swampers on it. Hey, if you can't get all excited at that, I, I think you ought to check your pulse. So, uh, <laughs> all right. right, all right, so let's get into it. Let's get yeah. into it. now this this book. What's the name of the
3: book? The book is Aretha the Queen of Soul A Life in Photographs. Yeah, and- now this, it's
0: mostly a picture book, a coffee table type of uh, photograph book, right? Yes. And it's broken into four sections, is that Yeah, right?
3: there are four essays and a coda. So the, of course, the photographs are amazing they're mostly well not mostly but the majority of them are are getty images um and they're from her career i was you know i mean that's not what this book is about but i would like to at some point really you know see some more pictures of her family and her childhood but that's not part of this book this isn't a it's not a biography in that sense of the word no it's
0: her as a professional yeah her, her on the stage uh in in the recording studio
3: yeah and and meredith is a is a journalist yep. she wrote um four, and musician
0: and, and other things
3: yes among other things as we all are mm-hmm. um yeah she wrote four four essays and the first part of the book is about how Detroit was important to her and she was important to Detroit. So, yeah, she
0: lived there her whole life. Yeah. Uh, she, you know, there. she
3: had other yeah. homes around the world yeah. and, you know, and, well, I guess in LA. But this essay is about how she grew up in Detroit, uh, touches on that a little bit, and how basically, you know, it always stayed with her and she gave back to the city. So as we know, her well, most many of us know, her father was a, a pastor, a reverend, a
0: very, a famous, very famous, uh, well
3: known mm-hmm. and revered yeah. pastor named C. L. Franklin, mm-hmm. and um, they mm-hmm. had a lovely home in Detroit. But first, he actually was the first recording artist in the family. <laughs> yes, that's right. When he was. he was a a minister in Memphis and Buffalo, he used the radio to put his sermons out. And when he got to Detroit, he became a recording artist. Um, He worked with a label called JVB and put his sermons onto vinyl. And then when they went on to record other artists, blues artists, Uh, Aretha also was recorded by them, by the same label that recorded her father's sermons. So I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah, now it starts. Um, Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. And so he had this house. A lot of you fans probably know that he was friends and colleagues with many famous civil rights people and musicians Including Martin Luther King Jr. and Mahalia Jackson, and Sam Cooke was one of Aretha's friends when she was growing up. He lived in the neighborhood that she lived in, and they were what he called sandbox friends.
0: <laughs> oh, same thing with Smokey Robinson and uh, you know some of the Supremes. They all kind of grew up around each other uh, at that time. You know uh, that that Detroit uh, music yeah. scene.
3: There, Actually, right? I misspoke. It was yeah, it was Smokey that she grew up with, but she had a lifelong crush on sam cook he used to come and um listen to her sing as a girl she would sing for company but as smoky said he came and listened to her sing in her house and she sang damn near like she sings now mm. she yeah. started singing and recording yeah. in church
0: yeah that's it's definitely if you're a believer you know there's god given uh this is what they're talking about oh definitely <laughs> yeah. and in yeah.
3: fact um the songs that she put out on an album called Songs of Faith in 1965 were actually recorded when she was 14 in the New Bethel Baptist Church in Detroit in in 1956. So the songs came out on an album nine years later, but they were written when she was only 14. And I would like to play um, part of one of those songs, which is Never Grow Old.
0: Prove the point. All right, here is Never Grow Old.
1: She's a land where we never...
0: Yeah, fourteen years old, and uh, you know she already is blasting like a trumpet. Yes, uh, you know with that big, big voice of hers.
3: Yeah, and uh, I just love listening to that um, where she rips whips the crowd into a frenzy. You know, it's very oh, it's like a sermon. You know,
0: just yeah. you know, born right out of the church, and uh, you know that's gospel music of which uh, will always be a part of her. Uh, um, you know, her, her DNA uh, in, in, in her music. Uh, and uh, even though she, you know, uh, goes into secular music and, uh, you know, and of course becomes the queen. That's of soul. Right. right.
3: She says, as she said in one quote in the book, something like, you know, I, I don't know what people are talking about. I never left gospel. No, Gospel <laughs> yeah, came God. with me. Yeah. You know, it's part of me. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it is, it's in everything she does. Yeah. Which uh, I love. I love gospel. You know, and she was mature in more ways than just her voice because she lost her mother early. Um, The book doesn't go into exactly the circumstances around that, but her mother passed away uh, fairly when she was fairly young. And she also had two children in her teens. So she was, you know... Yeah, um really had to grow up, yeah. you know, way before her time, but she had a nurturing environment. There were other people in her life, you know, and the church that surrounded her and and supported her, including her father. They actually traveled. She actually traveled the country as an opening act for her father when he went preaching around the country. Oh, damn. Wish yeah. I could have that kind of opening act. Yeah, I know. <laughs> for your sermons? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my sermons.
3: <laughs> you know, he was well off by standards of the day. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they lived in a very nice home, but, you know, they were down to earth. They weren't hoity-toity. They Moved into a home uh, in the Motown studio area, and Motown wanted her, but she had signed with Columbia. She never,
0: yeah, never ended up. Yeah, she never
3: recorded for Motown, which is kind of funny. You think her as a kind of a Motown style artist, especially with all the Uh, horns and the backup vocals and everything.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would. You know, I mean, Motown was Hitsville. You know, it was it was pure pop. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I don't know. Aretha never seemed pure pop to me. Oh, and no. She always stood uh, alone. And, you know, even the Columbia years where, you know, they, they tried to, you know, turn her into, um, you know, a standards type of uh, a performer, of which, uh, you know, she did great at. It just really didn't quite fit her as when, you know, obviously when Atlantic took her on, uh, and then, 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 then it's the Aretha that we all know and
3: love. Right. And, you know, she started writing songs, too, and that yeah. really made her... Of course, every every song she covered, she made it her own as well. <laughs> yes, she did. Yes, she did. <laughs> yeah, she never really left Detroit, kind of like gospel. You know, Detroit was part of her, even though she traveled to New York and L.A. and owned properties around the country. That even so, she came back to Detroit and helped, you know, in the era of social change, for example, there was a you know urban renewal like we had in San Francisco where whole kind of prosperous black neighborhoods were paved over for the the freeways or you know new homes or things like that and she just really kept her her roots there she moved back for good in 1982 and always gave back to the community gave concerts to raise money um for food banks and churches and feeding the poor And, uh, you know, standing up for home teams and using the fashion designers in Detroit, for example, the hat she wore at Obama's inauguration, you know, with the big gray bow. That was a Detroit uh, milliner. That worked on her outfit. And then in 2017, they named uh, one of the streets in Detroit Aretha Franklin Way. That's right. That was very moving for her. And um, shortly thereafter, she did her final full concert at the detroit music weekend which she had to kind of keep putting off because she was in bad health but she always always went home especially after she developed the fear of flying you know she was more more grounded in detroit than than anywhere else because she wasn't jet setting around the world like a lot of you know famous musicians so I thought that was very interesting. You know, I didn't know I mean I knew she was from Detroit, but I didn't know she gave back so much to her community and um you know, didn't get all hoity toity and move to Malibu. Well, she did, <laughs>
0: but she she moved back as well. Yeah. So uh
3: So that was the first essay it was all about um how, you know, what Detroit meant to Aretha and what Aretha meant to Detroit. The second part, the second essay is called Reinvention, and it's about her stylistic versatility, which we've touched on a little bit, and how she, you know, remained relevant for such a long time and reinvented herself over the years, but still, you know, came back every once in a while to gospel or to R&B, but she crossed genres quite a bit And this is the part where I just like to listen to all the songs that Meredith pointed out because it really has a a really good trajectory of showing all the ways that she incorporated new musical genres, found the right music that was right for her in the different genres. And, you know, just stayed at the top of the musical situation.
0: Well, let's uh, let's get into it. What's yeah. uh, what's the first one we should play? Well,
3: the first one you've touched on um, when you talked about Columbia, she was discovered, you know, in that way, like Sam Cooke was discovered by John Hammond at Columbia, and she she saw Sam Cooke cross over from gospel to pop, and so he signed her, John Hammond, in 1960, and the first record was called Aretha with the Ray Bryant Combo. And then she had a top 40 hit off her second record, which was the electrifying Aretha Franklin. Mm -hmm. And the song was Rockabye Your Baby with a Dixie melody. Okay, it's kind of ironic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Let's get a flavor of Rockabye Your Baby with a Dixie melody.
1: Your baby with a Dixie melody When you croon, croon a tune From the heart of Dixie And just Dixie hang my cradle, mammy I Ride on that Mason Dixie line And swing it from Virginia
0: Okay, that's going back, so that's... um uh, let 's see 1962. so her second album they're they're, they're columbia 's trying to position her uh as a crossover uh and uh, and here 's her first top forty hit but that 's you know it 's an interesting period so it 's pre beatles yeah you know um post first iteration rock and roll um and uh a, a lot of white bread music uh kind of going on at the time yeah so, uh, but she
3: still makes it her yeah, you know a rocking kind of yeah. thing there yeah yeah or rolling anyway <laughs> yeah um apparently that was uh her work on standards um in that era jazz standards uh she she saw and everybody recognizes that that was actually really good for her because it added to her repertoire of what she could do later. Mm -hmm. You know, she, it was a good training ground. Yeah. And she started, um, she covered, you know, Irving Berlin and George Gershwin. And then, um, one of the very fine song she covered was a hoagie carmichael johnny mercer song called skylark oh yes which is a jazz standard and you know it just made her more versatile doing this and she does a you know every jazz diva you know has covered this song and people still do i hear people do this this day and age so let's give a listen to skylark
0: yeah let me tell the folks here that we're going to kind of Make this you know it's really about Aretha and giving a, a, a flavor of Aretha uh, across her career and uh, and the diversity of her sound, which is beyond what you know a lot of people know, which is that you know that Atlantic type of right, uh, right. sound um, so we're going to blast through quite a few songs here folks and and the point is, get these flavors, get a get a little taste of it, and then uh, if you don't know it, don't have it, go out and get it on your own. All right, so here is Skylark. <phone rings> Oh,
1: Don't you tell me where
3: my love can be? That's lovely. Um, Quite the standard. That's, yes.
0: Uh, that's, a, that's a big jazz standard right there.
3: So, uh, in the book I read that Etta James said about this particular song, I remember running into Sarah Vaughn, and Sarah said, Have you heard of this Aretha Franklin girl? And I said, you heard her do Skylark, didn't you? And Sarah said, yes, I did. And I'm never singing that song again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Sarah Vaughn, an amazing singer. And amazing. All right, yes. Yeah. You know, one of the queens of uh, jazz standards and that kind of thing. So she was even put off by it. Like, OK, I'm not doing that one. I got to do something else now. Because Aretha yeah. just blew it out of the water.
0: Well, thankfully, she uh, moves on to other things, and uh, maybe the you know the, the,
3: the, the ladies standards. who do the
0: jazz standards can go back to it. Uh, That's right. <laughs> <at a> later, <laughs> it's day. safe
3: to go back in the water. You mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So six years she was with Columbia, and then yeah. she went to Atlantic Records, like you said. Kind of her more, most famous, probably readily identifiable period of time and um, t- style of music. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Wexler wanted to get her closer to rhythm and blues, which was a very good call. And... Um, Obviously. Produced the next album, which it was... It seems like
0: a, such, a, such an obvious thing, but, you know, six... Uh, albums with Columbia, yeah. uh, you know, but Jerry knew he, 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 boy, he, he pined for her for a long time too, yeah, to, yeah. to get, to get her on the label. So, oh, and it was, uh, it was a match made in heaven. Definitely.
3: Yeah. Because the next uh, album <laughs> that came out was, I never loved a man the way I love you. Oh,
0: I could listen to that song every day of my life. Yeah. The title uh, track. It's that, yeah, that song, that which yeah. is the first song they do. And it's the only song they actually record at fame studios because there's a big fight um between um the
3: muscle shoals uh, the, it was it was the, the Rick, uh, um, trombonist or trumpeter. no well
0: somebody said some bad stuff and uh retha's husband took it um you know it's the south and you know there, there's a lot of stories on, on what the uh the situation yeah was. different
3: versions yeah the, the version told in this book is that the trumpeter i can't remember his name who was a Muscle Shoals musician uh, flirted with Aretha, or at least her husband thought he was flirting. With Aretha, and there was a fist fight, yeah, was actually. Fist fight. Yeah,
0: I've heard there was some language used that. Uh, that yeah, you often. got your Rick southern Hall. white boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never gotten a real straight story. It's just uh, Rick Hall had to get in the middle of it. They tried to work it all out, and basically uh, Aretha and her husband, uh, you know, just left town.
3: Went back but to they,
0: New York. They, yeah, they reconvened in New York. Jerry Wexler was able to get you know Spooner Oldham and the and the other guys the to go the, up there. To go The Swampers. Uh, There we go. And uh, to get them to go up there.
3: Yeah. The thing I thought was really cool about this story was also um, I think like after Aretha died, I don't think enough uh, was said about her piano playing.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, what she plays, she just sits down. Yeah. They, they like, they don't know who this girl is from Adam. She comes in and they're told they're going to do this. And, you know, they're session cats. They're like, yeah, sure, whatever. It's yeah. money. And she sits down at the piano and starts directing yeah.
3: with this song. Yeah, and she arranges the whole thing. And and (laughs) Spooner Oldham was was hired to play keyboard on this song, and he just bowed out. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I'll play something on the electric piano over here. It's going to kind of complement her thing. And her piano playing really kind of led the path of the song because the musicians then, they take what she's playing on the piano and follow her and the feeling that she's putting into the song. And that's what happens on this record. He bows out and she plays and she arranged the horn parts too, apparently. So she wasn't a a musical genius. She wasn't just a great singer. Yeah, yeah. She had the musical parts um, and knew what, especially when you play the piano, you know all about rhythm, you know Mm -hmm. about melody, you know Mm -hmm. about harmony, and you can make all the parts of the different instruments. Um, at the, you know, at, just at the keyboard. So I thought that was really neat, especially since I'm learning how to play myself. So um, maybe I should just learn everything she ever played and then I'll. Why not? Yep. Yep.
0: Okay, there's your next challenge. Yeah. All right. All right, let's, All right, play, let's listen to let's it. Let's play a little line of I Never Loved a Man the Way I Loved You.
3: So, yeah, there's her piano lay, laying down the groove, and it has a real gospel blues feel to it, the piano playing, because that's where she learned how to play the piano. And her next album was Aretha, Lady Soul, in 1968, and she brought that feeling to the very famous bo- uh, song that was written for her by Goffin and King, Carole King. Who? Gary Goffin and Carole King. Poo. Yeah. You make me feel like a natural woman. And many of you may have seen her singing that... when uh, uh, Kennedy Center's honor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for Carol and King. Just seeing Carol King crying in the audience, it was just so amazing. But let's listen well, that, to that. No,
0: it's Obama's crying. Carol King's just blown away. Yeah. Uh, but uh, actually, I, I'm, I'm going to play that version. I'm going to play the live version there uh, from the Kennedy Center's honor. So let's, uh, let's give everybody a little taste of You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. <laughs>
1: Looking out on the morning rain I I used to feel so inspired
0: Well, you know, to give that voice a song like that, written by the great Jerry Goffin and and Carole King, uh, who are like masters by 67, Um, you know, I'm surprised anybody ever did another version after that. Uh, I I, I can understand definitely the tapestry version, but, like, there's a lot of other versions of of that song.
3: Yeah, it's hard to... uh...
0: You know, it's like the Sarah Vaughan thing. You know, why would anybody... You know, do that. Is that well,
3: I know so. that's how I feel when I want to sing an Aretha Franklin song, but you can't help it. It's no, like, I'll um, never do it like that, but I still no. want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's a great song. And it, it is. It is yeah. just
0: a great song. And that was my point. So,
3: Yeah. That album, uh, Aretha Lady Soul, included guitarist Eric Clapton and also Joe South and Bobby Womack. So she was starting to collaborate and, you know, with a lot of heady talent there.
0: Yeah, I don't think that was too hard. Uh, No, you know, to get those people to come
3: on. Oh, no, I'm sure they all really wanted to. Yeah. And then we're into the late 60s, you know, civil rights movement and all the social upheaval that's going on in the country. She wrote the song Think, which we'll listen to later. But the same year that in 1968, when Martin Luther King was shot, and as you remember, she, he was a friend of the family. Yeah. And she was asked to sing at his memorial. And so she went back into her roots and sang this song called Precious Lord at his memorial. So let's have a listen to Precious Lord. It's quite different from the stuff she was doing in the popular arena. Uh, about the time that she uh, kind of took her her style, like her face. Physical... Hey, wait a minute!
0: Can we just hold on? To... What? Just for a minute. The, the, oh. That piece there, Precious Lord. That's real. Get up off of your pew and up on your feet, and yeah. in fact, some of the audience is uh, chanting into uh, to the song. People responding. Uh, yeah, to... it's literally digging into your soul and not just the performer, but into the audience themselves to become a part of it. And it's happening right there. You can, you can feel it in that, yeah, in you that can, song the... and how, how she's playing it out and, and, and really digging uh, in to get people to feel the spirit right there, right at that moment.
3: Yes, she's really good at that. Um, <laughs> you can hear it on so many other of her gospel songs, which she did two or three gospel albums I think and I mean you know it's it's spiritual but basically it's playing the audience you know you're drawing it out and drawing it out and drawing it out and, and building and building and building and getting people more and more invested in it I yeah. mean it just brings goosebumps yeah. to your skin yeah, yeah, when yeah. you listen to it and you can hear people You know, that's the way it was done and still is, I'm sure, in churches, you know, where that's the way you get the Spirit. That's right. There's the Spirit. Right there. And I I would have loved to get the Spirit in that way. I wasn't honored to.
0: I'm going to steal something. I know we were talking before time, but you're absolutely right. If I was raised in a Baptist black church, uh, you know, I'd probably be quite the believer myself at this point.
3: That's right. You can't listen to that and and not think that that's divinely inspired. Have
0: the spirit literally move you, literally move you.
3: Right. And whatever, however you want to um, define the spirit, it's certainly, you know, you can't deny that that is what's fueling this this music, yeah, it's totally divinely inspired, higher power, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, yeah, it, I really respond to it as well.
0: Sorry, I just had to. I had to bring I'm that sorry. out. Uh, I know at that song here before we moved on to uh, where where I know where we're going, which uh, you know she's she's now going to take some pop songs from like the biggest band in the world and turn it uh, turn it into, into a gospel, yeah, thing, <laughs> her own thing, right? Yeah.
3: And she does move into pop culture around this time. And in in more ways than just musically, you know, she was um, before that in the 60s and 50s, you know, she was into the look, you know, the heavily made up. Um, is she says one quote in this book is about, you know, I, I stopped shaving my eyebrows and drawing them in and I was like, shaving I didn't know people did that. <laughs> <laughs> they actually shaved our eyebrows. And, you know, becoming more natural because that was the time period. Yeah, the the later hippies 60s and everything. And yeah, 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 and, yeah, and yeah. Black Power and Women mm-hmm. Women's Lib and she changed her look to more natural. You know, she stopped styling her hair as much. She used less makeup. She went into more caftans and, you know, more kind of um, African textile looks. And so she was moving along with the popular culture at that time. And then musically, on the album, the 1970s album, This Girl's In Love With You, she covered quite a few amazing songs so like you said the biggest band Hmm, who could that be um the Beatles Eleanor Rigby and Let It Be and then she did Son of a Preacher Man on that album so the thing that I thought was really cool about Let It Be was McCartney after he heard her do it he just thought it should just be hers after that you know that he was kind of giving like okay
0: he still does it at every show so yeah it's hers (laughs) i'm borrowing it
3: but yeah i'm gonna do it like i originally wrote it but i'm borrowing it um but that album i suggest everybody go back to that album this girl's in love with you because there's some really great uh interpretations of other people's songs on that album so let's have a listen to let it be yeah
0: let's uh let's hear uh her version of the beatles let it be
1: when i find myself in times of trouble Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she's standing right.
3: I love the way she does that, and yeah, you can
0: uniquely her There's, it, you know, yeah,
3: you can hear her piano and the way that whole thing, way that she arranged that is very gospelly. Yep. She's got the background oh, vocals, got the church organ, the, the piano, whole thing. the yeah, Hammond yeah, yeah, B. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's beautiful. It's a wonderful interpretation of that song because that song is kind of has a religious feeling to it. You yeah. know, and well, even even, McCartney
0: said, you know, it was it kind of kind of comes as a dream, you know, uh, uh, from his mom.
3: Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. yeah. And so she goes from doing uh, that song, which is the Beatles, to doing another one. Man, when I found out she covered this song and I first heard it, I was blown away. I love the way she does. It's one of my favorite Aretha Franklin songs. It's The Wait by our friend Robbie Robertson. And um, you've got D- Dwayne Allman on this uh, song doing slide guitar. And it's just a a great um, rendition, I think, of the weight.
0: Oh, so from English Beatles to American Band. All right, let's play the (laughs) weight. Dwayne playing slide to, to open it and Aretha taking off with the girls uh, doing the background there, taking a, a well-known song that you wouldn't think that anybody could do better. And there she does completely owning it uh, on her own. Right? Yeah, yeah,
3: I still, you know, of course, the, the band's version is um, awesome, too. And they're just different songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're just they're just different and they can live side by side. And that's what's great about the way she interprets these things and one of the albums that came out around that time was Aretha live at the Fillmore West where she covers uh, quite a few other well-known songs of the day but the one that she got a Grammy for was her cover of Bridge Over Troubled Water which is also amazing yeah Mm -hmm. I mean and you know you can't kick Simon and Garfunkel out of bed but then you got Aretha doing just totally taking this over and making it her own as well.
0: Yeah, so let's give a flavor of Bridge Over Troubled Water here from uh, live at Fillmore West. When
3: you're down If you
1: look up and see yourself on the street
0: So, uh, you know, <laughs> that's such—again, she she turns it into a gospel uh, song.
3: Yeah, which totally fits. Well, well yeah, but it's, it's weird
0: because, I mean, Bridge is, is kind of like a, a secular hymn, and now she's turned it into a, a gospel. Now, of course, she spends two minutes building it up to get there, and she's turned it into a, a gospel song.
3: Yeah, I think it fits. It's
0: oh yeah, sounds great. That sounds awesome. Yeah,
3: yeah. After that album, one of the next ones that came out was Young, Gifted and Black, for which she, is I believe, three. she won a Grammy that year for that album. Uh-huh. And there were some other really incredible covers on that album, including a border song by Elton John and Bernie Taupin, and Long and Winding Road, another Beatles tune. But um, the standout on that album, oh, I know, where is. Yep rock steady (laughs) and that is not a cover she wrote that yeah and that is funky yeah and she uses the memphis horns on that track and it's really a kicker i'd say i love that song and the way she does it and the way she plays on it and the way she arranges it
0: yeah and this becomes a standard i mean uh, everybody and their cousins played rock steady Mm -hmm. all right Mm -hmm. let's get into it
3: That's what Meredith Oaks calls it. Is, <laughs> I think it's really good. That sounds good. like it. Yeah. I love it. Percolating. It's like a coffee pot. You know, the old coffee pots where the bubbles come to the top. Mm, funky.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah that yeah. is funky. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, in 1970... 1970- right, settle down. No more I dancing. I know. I'm like bouncing okay. in my chair here. <laughs> <laughs> so then she shifted gears um, right after that in 1972 and put out another gospel album, right. Amazing Grace, which was i think i read that that was her most popular album of all time uh believe it or not the gospel album amazing grace and the country needed it at that time as she says um there were a lot of things going on in the country that uh, people needed healing around and this was recorded at a baptist church in watts which is near where uh, i grew up in the la area and uh They had a church choir and an electric band. And as you might remember, that gospel kind of rock religious music was kind of big at that time. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, we had My Sweet Lord and um, what was the other one I was thinking of? Oh,
0: bridge, bridge over troubled water itself, yeah, is, uh, yeah, is right there. I mean, you know, we're talking about that in uh, the new rock and roll archaeology episode. That you know, as the clock ticks over from the '60s to the '70s, that you know, a lot of people are tired of uh, out in the streets and trying to make change, and you know, are are looking more internal and looking for more comfort uh, from their music. And, uh, you know, that goes to play with some of these songs that we just talked about, and obviously with this album. And, yes, this 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 is the biggest-selling um, album uh, in uh, Arita's uh, entire career.
3: Yeah, I mean, I had no idea. And it is the highest-selling live
0: gospel album of all time.
3: Wow, yeah. They have a, a an instrumental version of My Sweet Lord on this record, um, but I wasn't able to find out whether she plays piano on it i'm assuming so um but the one i really like and i've heard other people do and other choirs do before and it's just a rousing kind of thump foot stomping gospel song and it's called how i got up
0: no how i got over
3: oh dang how i got over (laughs) all right (laughs) how i got it up no i'm (laughs) 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 Whoa. okay the rock and roll librarian gets nasty
0: no How I
3: got over. Okay. How I got (laughs) over. Yeah, man, I just that just makes my me feel like getting up and goosebumps dancing and stomping my feet.
0: Again, I, I think we're both going to become converts of yeah. the uh, the Baptist Church here pretty soon.
3: Oh yeah, I have been in uh, spirit for many years, right. but uh, it's hard for me to think about actually doing it as I'm not a church goer. So well, just um, glide.
0: You can go down and glide. Yeah,
3: you know that's true. Yeah. And did you know that she inspired uh, Mick Jagger when he heard this album? He was inspired to, even though they had finished recording Exile on Main Street, he went back to the band and brought some more gospel influences onto the album. And I never knew that. And I I love that Rolling Stones album. That's my favorite Rolling Stones album. And now I know why. <laughs> because it was inspired Part, by Aretha, well, partly, partly uh, yeah,
0: you know, uh, Graham Parsons and and you know Keith and you know and them all into the the, the country stuff. They're and,
3: minor, and, you know, like... yeah, <laughs> minor <laughs> players. Right, it's right, all Aretha, right. yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it just uh, the light bulb went on in my head. Oh, that's why I like that album so much. Yeah. It's got a real gospel feel to it. Yeah. You know, after that, um, she was asked by John Landis to be in the Blues Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. Which is a, well, a little really bit great. later.
0: Uh, that's like 1980.
3: Yeah. Covered um, by our our brother in arms, Andy King on yeah. Real Rock. Yeah. Everybody should go listen to that episode, yeah. Andy. Hey, Andy. Okay. This is a test to see if he's listening. Uh-oh. Right. <laughs> um, hey, uh oh. All
0: right. I expect a response here pretty quickly.
2: That's
3: then. right. So, anyway, he asked her to be in the movie, and she said, You know, I'm not an actress. And he said, yes, you are. You give a performance every time you sing. And she thought about it for a minute and said, yeah, that's true. You're right. And yep. so she did it. And oh, it was it one of the, the high points of the whole movie, yeah. I thought. Yeah, it's
0: my favorite part of the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. All She's got right. that spunk. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: but, uh, she's wearing uh, pink slippers. <laughs> the waitress outfit and then these pink slippers. Yeah, uh,
3: not not her usual diva <laughs> outfit but she looks cute in it anyway
0: all right i'm sorry we wouldn't get out of this episode without playing think
3: no we have to play it and that's a really good version i love it we're putting the band back together we
1: need you and blue Lou. oh man don't talk that way around here my old lady she'll kill me
3: ma'am you gotta understand that this is a lot bigger than any domestic problems you might be experiencing
1: matt what the hell is he talking about don't get riled sugar don't you don't get riled sugar me Now, you're not going back on the road no more, and you ain't playing in them old two-bit sleazy dives. You're living with me now, and you're not going to go sliding around with your old white hoodlum friends. But babes, this is Jake and Elwood, the Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers? Shit. They still owe you money,
3: fool. Ma'am, would it make you feel any better if you knew that what we're asking Matt here to do is a holy thing? You see. We're on a mission from God.
1: Don't you blaspheme in here! Don't you blaspheme in here! Now, this is my man, this is my restaurant, and you two are gonna just walk right out that door without your dry white toast, without your full fried chickens, and without Mad Guitar Murphy. Now, you listen to me. I love you, but I'm the man and you're the woman, and I'll make the decisions concerning my life. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. Oh, shut up, woman. You better think. So
0: I just decided to play the clip to show, you know, uh, Aretha coming in and uh, and and you know acting with uh, with Dan
3: Aykroyd and John Belushi
0: and Matt Guitar Murphy.
3: Yeah, maybe. I would say that she's totally wrong and that she's not an actress because she's <laughs> she's totally an actress. Oh yeah, I mean she yeah. plays that part, you know, just perfectly. Oh yeah. Just oh, yeah. their attitude, and yeah. um I like it. she's just like, get those guys out of here with their white toast <laughs> and their four <full, laughs> and their four <full> fried chicken.
0: <laughs>
3: you ain't getting out of here, you.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, like, she's,
3: she's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I miss her. Yeah. 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 And,
0: now, now she's back in the public eye. Everybody knows who she is because of the Blues Brothers.
3: Movie. I know, and uh, yeah. and to me, I mean, unfortunately, I feel like I know she's jumping through genres and everything and trying to stay relevant but the next genre is not my favorite so oh well, let's we'll get oh, the, the next, 80s the next uh, yeah the, the early wave, 80s uh, sort of thing, her yeah. album yeah. jumped to it and the song jumped to it which is you know a mix of pop r&b and disco and, yeah. and disco's never been my favorite thing yeah it's highly produced There's synthesizers but you know she she, she, can, was she, to, she was trying um, to yeah
0: stay relevant. Yeah, and,
3: it's, she was in you know reflecting the music of the day. Yeah, and she actually throws some scatting in there, which isn't the music of the day. That's more an old, you know, an older um, form of singing. But I think you know I just think it's really cool this particular song. If you've got to have well, the synthesizers, her whole
0: career here. So mm-hmm. definitely.
3: So yeah, that's right. That's
0: let's right. play a little of jump, jump to, to it. it. Yeah. She's writing a dance hit, you know, for a club. You know, it's almost like a club mix. uh, There, uh, just trying to make a a long form uh, single, you know, that uh, can be spun by the DJs
3: of the time. And we skipped the whole first, you know, almost two minutes of the song for that part because that's the part where people are kind of twirling around on the floor and all that. (laughs) Disco was never my favorite music to dance to, but now uh, the next
0: song you have. That's a good
3: song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's from the album Who's Zooming Who in 1985. And I love Annie Lennox, too, who doesn't love Annie Lennox. And so they do this duet on that album. Sisters are doing it for themselves, which is a total feminist anthem. And really just uplifting and all that stuff i mean you know you just want to oh we should play that at the next women's march for sure you know just dance down the street to it start the next women's march right yeah 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 and
0: the gun goes off and everybody starts marching right Right.
3: (laughs) sisters are doing it for themselves
0: You, you mentioned uh, Annie Lennox on that. Well, uh, you know, obviously Dave Stewart is playing yeah. guitar, but also uh, Nathan East on bass, Stan Lynch on drums, uh, Mike Campbell guitar, Ben yeah. Montench on
3: organ. Oh my goodness! Now
0: where do those guys
3: come now, from? Now you know what. That was the probably the same period of time that Dave Stewart was producing Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Hmm. Is that where you're going here? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, and yeah. he
3: put the synthesizers on Tom Petty, too. I mean, you know, that wasn't yeah. necessarily looked upon with favor by everybody,, well, you know that like remember somebody yeah. was upset about the drum machines, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah. anyway, but um yeah, that was the rhythmics were really a special.
0: Yeah, your and, and uh, you know the heartbreakers there uh, together. Yeah, uh, back in Aretha. Yeah, can't beat that.
3: I know. Yeah. A, what a synergy. Right. Yeah. Um, so then she goes on to work with some hip hop artists. So she's continuing to to hit all the you know genres of the time period. And now we're all up to 1998. Uh, she worked with Lauryn Hill and Sean Combs. Is he the one that's also known as P. Diddy, <laughs> among okay. other things? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. And Daddy. so the yes, yes. yeah the album that they did uh, that she did next is a rose is still a rose, and the title track um, was written by Lauren Hill and is a track about motherly wisdom. So Aretha plays the part of the motherly. Figure in this song. Yeah, this is late '90s too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, giving wisdom to young women, and it connects the generations uh, and collaboration between uh, different kinds of musicians on this on this album. So, a rose is still a rose is her foray into the hip hop genre. Awesome.
0: Let's
2: get to it.
1: it
3: Rose is still a Rose and uh, next she went on to um the you remember the VH1 program Diva's Live. Not a big hit. Uh it was a
0: dance hit. I guess the dance club hit but not R&B hit top 10.
3: Yeah. And uh, she went on to TV after that and did the Diva's Live. Uh, oh, that's right. Mariah Carey, Celine Dion, uh-huh. carol King, Shania uh-huh. Twain and Gloria Estefan and out all of them. I remember watching that too. Um, and, but the interesting thing is she didn't want her performances to go on the live album because she was just, she knew exactly how to protect her rights and her, you know, copyright of, of what she was doing. And she just wanted to keep a hold of the things that were hers and not just have them go on to someone else's album. Um, but the very Amazing genre that she went into next was caught on film at the Grammys in I believe it was 1998 um, when Pavarotti could not come to accept his lifetime I think it oh, it was a tribute to or he he was getting a lifetime achievement award or um, and he was ill and he could not make it to. To the ceremony, right, so they tapped her very shortly before the performance. Now she did no rehearsal with the musicians that were there at the Grammys, but she had sung this song once before. A few days uh, before the uh, Grammy show,
0: yeah, that that some opera song you can figure that out in a couple yeah, of minutes
3: no at problem. the at a tribute to him. Right. So she knew the song. Um, it she didn't just come in and just sing it off the top of her head, but she just had to consult with the conductor, you know, and listen to a few tapes and stuff, and she was ready to go for this amazing performance of the song Nessun Dorma that Pavarotti had made famous. And, uh, yeah, so let's play some of that. That's just amazing.
0: Yeah, it is absolutely amazing. All right, folks, here's a little bit of Nessendorma. Dorma.
1: share my like kisses
0: You know, there's just no way to do it. So I just did it. And we're yeah. just going to play the whole fucking song. So yeah, yeah. three minutes and 19 seconds. Hope you all enjoyed that.
3: It's almost as a, I mean, for me, uh, I'm not even an opera fan at all. And everybody that knows like, that,
0: that piece.
3: As uh, you know. affecting for uh, me as the gospel stuff. I mean, it's so emotional, you know, I just like, and I love. Oh, and then to find out that literally
0: it's 30 minutes prior.
3: Yeah. Right. Uh,
0: the producer of uh, the Grammys goes in and says, Pavarotti can't make it. Can you do it? Yeah. She says, let me hear a tape of the rehearsal. Yeah. And they play <laughs> her the tape. And she goes, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Now got she, it. she had done it two days before at Music Cares. Yeah, but um, not
3: with the same musicians. No, or she anything. just goes out yeah. there and just yeah. kills it. She brings herself to it too. I mean, just that kind of very husky kind of, when she gets a little guttural and then she and she gets real husky, you know, it's yeah. um, it's not just the soaring, the really high notes she hits, but everything, every every way she uh, attacks that song, and to hear the audience just spontaneously erupt. Oh yeah, you know, while she's singing is very moving Amazing. too. Amazing. Ah, okay, That's
0: why we played the whole thing. There's just no
3: way to go. Yeah. No, you can't. It needs to be there. And, you know, it's short. Go buy it. (laughs) Yeah. One of the last studio, actually, her last studio album, according to Meredith, was in 2014. And it's called Aretha Sings the Great Diva Classics. And she's reinterpreting many, many, you know, wonderful songs by different quote unquote divas throughout the years. Um, the one that I really love off of this album is Adele's Rolling in the Deep. I think it's perfect for her. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, um, let's
0: face it, Adele's Adele is an adopted child of Aretha.
3: Yeah. Adele was like Otis Redding and Robbie Robertson with this one, I bet, you know, which was like, holy shit, you know, yeah. I wrote this song, but this person made it something different, you know, mm. than what I really envisioned. And it's beautiful. And I'm going to still sing my own song, but she did something really great with it.
0: Yeah. We're getting towards the end here. So I think you said there were four essays to the book. Yes. Uh, the, the first way. one's about Detroit. Yeah. The second one is about uh crossover, right? Yeah.
3: And uh, that's the one where most of the songs and are I, I think are we've mentioned. made a
0: pretty damn good case of her, her ability yeah. to just pretty much do anything. Right. <laughs>
3: I've never, I haven't heard of her do, um, let's see, nursery rhymes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure she could. Uh, or or and, folk, you know, like, and, how
3: about, uh, she could be doing you fall, some or Woody Guthrie. And make your heart fall
0: out uh, just with that. You yeah. Know, so. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, and then there's two other pieces to the book, right? Two right. other essays that Mary right. did. That's what, right. And those were on being a diva, right? hmm And then, um, what was the fourth uh, piece?
3: Honors and awards. Oh, yeah. 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 So the part about her being a diva is interesting because, you know, people, use that word diva it's almost pejorative yeah yeah and uh when she was asked about it by a reporter i suppose she said i suppose i could be that but only when one is being unfair to me and she has her own definition which is you know, very grand, has major cred, and sometimes called difficult, being a prima donna. And the difficult part was the part that she was saying, that's not fair, because really using the word diva in a pejorative way is an attempt, as Meredith Oakes said, to demean powerful women. And she was a powerful woman. She embodied the term diva because she demanded respect. Yeah. It's, (laughs) It's, and, <laughs> uh,
0: we you know, we don't have titles here in this country, but uh, we should, uh, because let's face it, she is a grand dame.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, she came out with the song Respect, you know, uh, decades ago. And as Otis Redding said, that girl stole that song from me. <laughs> and yeah, she, she, did. Yeah. she did. I mean, his version, again, is totally wonderful in its own way. Well, wait,
0: you're getting ahead of me. What? We have to play Rolling in the Deep first. Oh, so let's
3: play. I thought we did. No, we didn't do that
0: ah, yet. All we right. moved on.
3: Another diva. Okay, Adele. Let's, st-
0: let's stick with Adele here for a okay. minute and give everybody a flavor of her version of uh, uh, the amazing Adele song, "Rolling in the Deep."
1: There's a fire burning in my heart, reaching the fever pitch, and it's bringing me out of the dark. Fine. I can see it crystal clear Go ahead and sell me out And I'll lay your ship bare See how I will leave With every part of you Don't underestimate The things that I will do i oh, got a fire Burning in my heart Reaching the fevered pitch, And it's bringing me out of the dark The scars i am
0: Well, we couldn't walk away without giving uh, a little bit of rolling uh, roll in the deep there.
3: No. And to me, it's um, interesting to note that that was four years before she passed away. Yeah. The quality of her voice is a little different in this song. You know, it's got a little bit more gravel to it. But, you know, it's great. I mean, it totally fits. I love it. Yeah, I just really like that song and I like the, her interpretation of it. So yeah, on to respect. Yeah, we, uh, you know.
0: Everybody thought we forgot that one. No,
3: she demanded. <laughs> I know we can't go. We can't talk about Aretha uh, without talking about respect. R S B E C T. Yep, but this one. You know You know, what know it this means one to totally um, epitomizes what uh, the meaning of diva is to her, which was basically she didn't take crap from anybody. She demanded cash up front that's why she always had her what they call her pocketbook which we don't say in california but um her, her purse right. on stage with her because she took her cash and she stuck it in her purse and she kept it by her side and she got paid before she sang just to make sure nobody screwed her out of her just yeah desserts. Well, you know it is the music business yeah right. Right. yep, yeah her proppers yep
0: yep yep all right so uh, we're getting close to the end here mm-hmm. uh, but uh, let's play everybody the big number the big song uh, that uh, that she will forever be remembered by and as you pointed out earlier, you know originally written and performed by Otis Redding and then uh, uh, kind of stolen from him appropriate
3: so.
0: <laughs> <I should> <laughs> right all right so here is uh, respect <laughs>
3: That's R E S P E C T. R E S P E C T. Yes. Give me my propers when I get home. <laughs> yeah. I had to ask my husband. And turning
0: that, that song it. completely on its head. Yeah. the oldest right? That's right.
3: Promotion. He's so... talking about it like a man. Like, yep. I need respect. Yeah. And she's talking about it like, don't you be pushing That's me around. Right. Yeah. Right. Um the end of that uh chapter it talks about you know how she was a diva she had the fancy clothes you know like she grew up in what they called prosperity gospel mm-hmm. which was you know unlike the blues where it came from kind of a poor tradition respect was given to gospel singers just from being part of the church and she was kind of raised when her mother passed away by Mahalia Jackson and Clara Ward, who were both glamour gospel uh, singers of the time, and they were her role models. So she grew up in that and developed her self-worth from being part of that community and being supported by the church. And um, all the, you know, the fancy outfits came along with that. That was just part of it. But as uh, somebody said, I don't remember who, in the studio, Oh, it was the the author of the book. In the studio, the diva made way for the genius. Mm, and yeah. as Spooner Oldham said, it was never an ego thing with her at all. It was a music thing. She was always prepared. She was a perfectionist. And she always nailed it within three takes. And the best thing about her was she might delay sessions but it was because of bringing in a bunch of barbecue for the band. <laughs> you got to love that. Right. They right, eat. Right, right. Yeah. And then the, um, the last section of the book is about, the um, awards. about uh, her awards, of which she gained and earned many. Mm-hmm. Um, she received awards not just for her music, but also her charity work. She was, of course, firmly in the more progressive camp. She, you know, in the civil rights and uh, supporting Black, you know, advancement in society and, and freedom and um, rights for Black people. And so she was involved throughout history with Angela Davis and Muhammad Ali. Um, And even and supported same sex marriage as well before that was even um, legalized. So well, as far
0: as Grammys, she won 40 or she was, excuse me, she was nominated nominated. 44 times and was a a winner 18 times.
3: Right. And 11 of those were for best female R&B vocal performance, which is the most wins anybody has ever gotten Mm -hmm. in history. 11 best female R&B vocal performance and named by Rolling Stone magazine in 2008 for being the greatest singer of all time. And she was affected by all of these. You know, she didn't just brush them off. She loved her awards. She was totally honored. First woman honored. to be
0: inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And in uh, 1985, Presidential Michigan,
0: Medal of Freedom. Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much That's everything. right. <laughs> By the way, awarded to her by George W. Bush.
3: Yeah, and she was quite affected by that. She mm-hmm. cried. Um, because that to her freedom was very important. And that's the highest civilian award granted by yeah. the United States. Mm-hmm. And of course, freedom is important as we just heard in the last song that we that we heard. Freedom is very important to her in her life and in her career. So and the best uh, uh, impression she made on the country was probably after she died, how she united the Congress, you know, just last year. And we know that Congress can't hardly ever be, you know, united, united. about anything. <laughs> um, they awarded her the Congressional Gold Medal, which was they all agreed, which was amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> For this Congress. Yeah. Um, And then it goes on to talk about her funeral, which was in August of 2018. And many, many people came to wish her goodbye. And I thought we could go out um, on this episode by playing one of the songs that she recorded, which is Amazing Grace and really fits her, the funeral and saying goodbye to Aretha because she was full of grace and she was amazing.
0: Well, let's play that and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the book. And uh, we have uh, a correction that we have to uh, uh, acknowledge from our last episode. But okay. first, uh, let's send Aretha off here with Amazing Grace. Amazing uh. the shine Um, well, first of all, what do you think of the book? I mean, uh, you know, you, you, you got the four essays, all those wonderful photographs, yeah. uh, a chance to, uh, you know, like a lot of these books that we do, it's so great to just listen to the performer or the genre or whatever we're, we're talking about, uh, at the same time. And, uh, you know, with this you know, rock and roll librarian. What we like to do is give you a little bit of flavor of, of what's going on, and then we expect you to go and get the book and read it and uh, and listen to all these songs that we just uh, reminded you of. So, what do you think? What do you think of Meredith's latest? I uh,
3: thought it but... was a, a joy. I was very happy to um, go through numerous times and look at the photos over and over again, and um, she really brought some insight. Like you know, like I said, it's not a full telling of her entire life but it touches on so much that's really special about aretha and um was just a joy to read you know and she wrote i think she wrote these um essays after aretha passed so they were they're told from a point of view of looking back and really treasuring you know this person that's aretha franklin and Uh, it's amazing to look at the photographs. I mean, they they go from her being very young and vital to all her different um, stylistic changes, weight changes, you know, to the time when she's older and, and much more frail. Um, and you just see her visually over a long period of time. So I, I really enjoyed it.
0: She had a great life. It was... Uh... It was at a, an important time. Um, you know, she is one of the greats of uh, music in the latter half of the 20th century. Definitely. Uh, there's yeah. no doubt about that. So, All right. We have to make a correction uh, from our last episode uh, which was, uh, on Bruce. Bruce Springsteen. It was the, the Bruce, uh, autobiography, right? Yes. And one of our diggers, um, uh, a favorite of ours, Dvorin Pavlica from Slovenia, uh, wrote to us and let us know that we had made a mistake on, uh, some of the, um, the personnel for Born to Run.
3: Um, yeah, I think I remember talking about this and saying like, Oh, I don't remember. I'm kind of confused, like which people played on this song. So it was Danny Sanchez on keyboard. David,
0: David Sanchez on keys for Born to Run. Mm-hmm. And, and
3: Boom Carter. Yeah, Ernest Carter, Ernest drums. Boom Carter on yeah.
0: drums. That was correct. Uh, and Devoran let us know so we appreciate that Devoran thank you very much Uh, keep us honest thanks for listening yeah (laughs) yeah, of course (laughs) Uh, and uh, anybody else hey if you know how to get a hold of us yeah uh, you can get a hold of us through uh, through Twitter uh, Facebook Instagram whatever is good for you just send us an email we always listen to what uh, everybody has to say we may not get to it right away but we definitely uh, keep what you guys uh, tell
3: us and And if you want to get to me directly Uh, Twitter is probably the best way. Yeah. At Sorensen Shelley. At (laughs) Sorensen Shelley. Yeah. Got it. All right. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, that's it for us uh, on this episode. You got the next book uh, ready, teed up?
3: Ooh, um, I believe I've been persuaded to read a book about Iron Maiden. Yay. <laughs> wow.
2: From I Aretha know nothing.
3: I'm going to learn many things and probably get many corrections. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that sounds like fun. Diving
3: right. into something new. All
0: right. Well, you know what? There's no way to end this episode, but play a little bit more of R-E-S-B-E-C-T.
3: Okay. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Take care, T-C-T. So-
0: Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can, too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help.
1: The Rock and Roll Librarian. Produced and hosted by Christian Swain. Co-host, Shelley Sorensen. All sound design and
0: incidental music by Jerry Danielson. All quotes performed by actors unless noted. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com
1: or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google
0: Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology Tweet us at R Archaeology.